Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, let's just get our breath back. I'm sat here in the paddock at Alton Park in Cheshire. It's a rather hazy but warm but quite sticky Sunday afternoon and I'm joined by my good friend and BSB colleague and I can officially say now BSB colleague Dave Neal. Dave first of all welcome to Full Throttle it's nice to have you on our podcast having been on your off-track podcast earlier this year. Thank you Greg yeah it's nice to be uh, invited along thank you very much after a quite a hectic weekend I think uh, maybe not as hectic as yours with the commentary but we've, we've got a few bits and pieces for off-track coming up and it's nice to be in the paddock kind of full-time now yeah. Well, you are, aren't you? And I'd like to very much talk about that because Dave has been around the BSP paddock in particular now for many a year. Uh, I think of your 63 years, you've been in the paddock for how many of them? Uh, I'm only joking there, of course. But no, I'm really interested to know because you're now working officially, aren't you? And congratulations on the role again, Dave, with Rich Energy and with the OMG team as well here in the paddock. What has it been like then? Because this has been officially your first race weekend working as a motorsport professional. Has it been as you expected? It has, to be fair. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Um, it. It's been a long time coming. I've worked in the paddock. I say working in, in inverted commas, really. Um, I've done some work with Jordan Weaving in the past when he was uh, British champion in 2014 in Motostar. Um, and then he moved on to uh, Russo Racing at the time, 2016, uh, 2015, Stock 600. Mm. Um, and also with Josh Elliott from 2015 when he was Stock 1000 champion. Um, and up to the end of 2019 when he and unfortunately omg racing parted company so yeah we've been doing a little bit across the years and just having a toe in the water and a little knock on the door now and again and finally um the guys at rich energy i've worked with them for the last couple of years helping out with um long form articles a little bit of social media with them um we resurrected the podcast after um a few years on motopod which I started in 2013 with the guys there. Um, and we've got back on the podcast trail, which you have uh, delighted me with your presence <laughs> earlier <laughs> in the year. Kind of you to lie like that. No, it's nice to get you on this show as well. This is Full Throttle, of course. It is Monday as this one goes out. We'll have another one next week recorded at Donington World Superbikes. Another one the Monday after that recorded from Knock Hill British Superbikes. It's a really, really busy time now. We're almost in July already, aren't we, as we record this? If you need a hand at Donington next week, I am cheap and available. Absolutely. Okay. No, okay. I'll see you there at Donington as well then. Um, I thought we were going to get out of that one. It's going to be there as well. 
Um, no, but we will be hearing it a bit from Jason O'Halloran, who, of course, has done not the double, but the treble. What a start for the man from New South Wales and the McCams Yamaha team. I have to say, I'm a neutral, but I am absolutely made up for them. We'll also be hearing from James Hayden in a while, a magic moment about the foggy Patronus Yamaha, which in his words was the bike that tried to kill him. I'm looking forward to hearing what James has got to say about that and all his spoils of 2003. But this is Full Throttle and Dave Neal's with us. Dave, BSB 2021, let's just talk a bit about the fact we're back, first of all, because it's been a horrible time, hasn't it, in life in general. And I think the fact that we're back in the paddock and there is some kind of normality in the air now is a blessed relief more than anything for everybody else. And it's just been so nice to see people we know, the social distancing in place, we're still wearing face masks. It's not quite normal, but we're getting there, aren't we? And I think it's absolutely vital for the whole motorcycle racing community because it's been a torrid time. It has. It's been wonderful to see the fans back in Alton Park this weekend. 4,000 fans a day across the weekend. Um, they've really added to the spectacle across um, what has been the opening round of the British Superbike Championship. And en enjoying seeing them out. We've been lucky enough to be out onto the banking to watch a few races over today. Um, and it's nice, everybody. They are socially distanced. They are. I took a video of that and posted it on um, the Rich Energy site yesterday, during just before um, Superbike Race 1. And to look back and to see everybody along um, from the first corner down to Cascades, everybody enjoying it, everybody looking happy. It's as close to normal as we've been, especially after last year's shortened season. We were short on um, spectators then. There were an awful lot more um, regulations in place. And the racing has been fantastic across all the classes. And as you say, Jason O'Halloran, he's pulled out an absolute masterclass today on his McCam's Yamaha and I really feel for Christian Iden because I don't think he could have done any more no, um, to, no, to become no. a, a BSB race winner in 2021 but to be to be to be effectively mugged three times Jason had the the upper hand on him to uh, this weekend he did but what a great start for Christian Iden as well of course we had him on the Eurosport show in the studio didn't we recently for uh, Mizano World Superbikes and he did a brilliant job there he's done a brilliant job here at Alton Park as well Jason O'Halloran, though, was the one who won the race. But I think you're absolutely right. It's only fair we hear from the pair of them. Of course, Matt and Rachel have been very, very busy in the paddock all weekend. So let's have a listen in to Jason O'Halloran and Christian Iden. Definitely the two top BSB riders this weekend. Let's get Christian Iden now then. In after three second places, which uh, probably before the start of the season, Christian... You would have taken, wouldn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. But to be that close is, is upsetting. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. I want, I want a new point system where you get a point for every lap you lead because we do be doing all right. Um, that's good confidence booster for me to lead races like that. Um, I knew it was Jason behind. I knew we had good pace, and uh, I actually tried to push the pace on in the middle. Um, I knew if I could do high 34s, then we probably could break whoever was coming with us. Um, and I put a few good, real good heaters in, and then I lost the front at turn one and lost the second on on what I was doing, and then that upset my rhythm a little bit, and I went, dropped into the 35 ones, 35 twos, and it sort of unsettled me. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd used up a little bit of tyre trying to push that pace on. I wanted it just to, I wanted to either try and break Jason or um, or at least break the rest of the group. And uh, yeah, losing the front there, it was it was a big enough moment. It didn't look too much probably on the TV, but to me it was like I was nearly down. Saved it, and uh, yeah, I was I wasn't going to let him pass me into the last corner. Um, I was either going down or going to keep the win, um, but he done me somewhere else. So, <laughs> is what it is. So, I think. Um, 
I think we can be happy um, that we've done a good job this weekend. You know, uh, Jason and his and his bike have been fantastic all weekend, and um, from the first practice, they've had uh, probably superior pace. So actually, to have come that close to to beating him all three races was it's pretty good. Um, so we can be happy with that. So yeah, good, great job. My bike was really nice to ride. I enjoyed it. Um, it's been a good weekend. Happy days. Good man. Well done, Christian. Cheers. See you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. But for now, at least, the man who's going to be going to knock it with the biggest smile of all will be Jason O'Halloran. Jason, I just mentioned there, you've just about doubled your BSB career <laughs> tally uh, for wins this weekend. What a perfect weekend. How do you begin to sum it up? Speechless. Um, I, I knew coming into the weekend that we're strong. We topped the test here. Uh, we're really strong at Donington, all the tests, to be honest, all pre-season. We've done really good work with the bike, and we're just tweaking little bits and pieces now, and I, I, just, feel, I just feel at one with the bike, and when I'm with these guys, everyone's got their strong points and weak points, but um, I'm just managed to get the last little bit out of the, out of the Yamaha and um, and get the wins. So uh, I'll take them while they're coming. They're not easy to get. I've uh, been working a long time to get them. Uh, this weekend started perfect for the championship for us, 15 podium credits. Um, and yeah, roll on the next round. Just tell us about your strategy on the final lap there. Christian, I think, was probably preparing for a, a final corner move. Is that what you had in mind when you, when you did it early, Ireland? To be honest, I knew I wouldn't probably pull that pass off again because Christian was strong on the break there and he knew that I might have a have a go. I was sort of lining him up for Shell uh, and sort of... I was hoping to let him think that's where I was going to pass him because I had a, f a few goes and then I just pulled it a corner early and um, caught him by surprise because no one's been passing there. Uh, it's a momentum pass, a little bit easier than doing it on the break. Um, and uh, yeah, just chopped a bit through the weekend. So. Well, it was a perfect move and a perfect weekend for you, Jason. Well done. Congrats once again. Massive thanks to everyone at McCam's Yamaha and uh, all my personal sponsors. Thanks very much. Yeah, two pretty happy guys, it's fair to say. Do you know what I love about those two and, and to be fair almost all the riders in this paddock everybody's so honest aren't they yes. whether they had a good day I thought Josh Brooks is honestly on the grid walk with Wit earlier in the weekend when he said you know I just need to get a few things together Josh Brooks is one of the most honest of the lot I would say actually but that's so refreshing because we don't see that in all sport now do we there's a lot of lying and mind games that goes on I know there's mind games here in the paddock as well but real honesty and I think that's really wonderful don't you I do. And that's something you have to, to work out what's going on as well sometimes. I really enjoy um, the human side of motorcycle racing. Yeah. I, I enjoy yeah, yeah. trying to understand and work out, well, okay, it, 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 racers a lot find it hard to show weakness. Yeah. And it or, or to show a chink in the armor, but sometimes, sometimes you just have a bad day and something you just got to come out with it and say, do you know what? It was me. It's been one of those days, can't get my head right, but we go again at Knock Hill in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. Um, one, thing, one thing I am impressed with again this weekend as well, Taron McKenzie, as we go on to uh, the results of the weekend, for a track that he has been not his strong, I won't say weak because that's not a fair word, but that isn't his strongest of tracks, mm. and he openly admits that, to see him pull off the results he has this weekend has really kick-started his championship because coming here to start a championship at his weakest track can't have been an easy pill to swallow. But bringing back the results he has, I think has been really impressive from Taron. He was really honest as well, actually. I was in the uh, McCam's Yamaha hospitality unit earlier on today. And Neil McKenzie was there interviewing Taz and Jason Halloran in front of uh, several corporate guests. That's been great as well, to have a limited number of fans, as you said before, 4,000, Dave, across the weekend here at Alton Park. 
But it was great, wasn't it, to see them all in the hospitality. And Taz did say, though, this morning, uh, not all 4,000 were in the hospitality, by the way. Let's clear that up. It's a big um, hospitality unit, but it's not that big. It is indeed. In fact, the fans generally weren't allowed into the paddock, were they, this no, weekend? No, unfortunately it's, it's not. It's still a bit strange from that point of view. And we do miss you all, and we're very much hoping you're back soon. I'm just glad the racing's back, but it's not the same without the fans. And all the riders have been saying the same, although they have been saying it's great to see people, you know, cheering on the grass banking, uh, and in the grandstand at Lodge Corner as well. But yeah, just back to Taz Mac earlier on. He was saying to his dad in that interview that, you know, this isn't really my my best circuit. And he is one of the smaller and lighter riders. It's a very, very physically demanding track, isn't it? As Scott Redding found out here back in 2019. Um, so at the time I was thinking, oh, it's almost as though he's given up before he started. But I don't think it is that. He's just accepting the fact that he knows it's not his best track. But at the same time, he's also thinking, well, Jason's doing a brilliant job. You know, it's not the bike, it's me. But in a way, I think Taz has taken that as a positive, hasn't he? I think so too. And if you think ahead as well, not only are we starting the season here, we also start the showdown here as well when we come to middle of oh, September. Yes. Good point. So to make a, the positive this weekend, we'll stand him in good stead for when the showdown kicks in in the middle of September, that he, he already has the confidence mm. inside him, knowing he's had such a positive weekend to start the year. Now, obviously, I'm sure most of you listening to this, and I guess it's the same with your podcast, Dave, have, have already watched the races. So we're not just going to sit here today and talk about what's already been discussed on the TV, but... Let's quickly talk about Josh Brooks. From a neutral point of view, I always think it's quite interesting when the reigning champion starts the season with a bit of a struggle. I said exactly the same thing with Jonathan Ray in World Superbikes last year when he had the crash in Australia. Not because you wish misfortune on anyone, but because it gives them that, you know, momentum or what I can say, the motivation, let's say, to catch up. And it just opens up the championship a bit, doesn't it? You could see him, though, gaining ground, couldn't you, as the weekend went on. It just feels almost as though, I don't know whether it's the ex-compound tyre, because we've seen that, haven't we, for the first time. And I think more than Josh Brooks, it's the fact that Ducati, and this is me speculating here, so I could well be wrong, the Ducati's got a very, very, very narrow window for setup, hasn't it? And we've seen this recently with Scott Ridding on the world stage as well. So if it's not quite right, if it's just a little bit out, you're going to feel it, aren't you? Because that's Josh Brooks on the bike, so we know what he's capable of. It's the bike he rode last year. It's exactly. the same team. He has the yeah. continuity, which yeah. is something for the for the championship um, five, six of the championship contenders mm. are all on the same motorcycle yes. that they were last year. Yeah. So that for me is an unprecedented season as well for the way that things work. But for Josh, I think it will. It's it's an unusual one because you do expect him to be at the front here. You do expect him to be um, on the podium at Alton Park. He mm. proved that last year, that he's very strong around this circuit. But with the results that he's had this weekend that aren't quite up to scratch, you also don't get the point where, oh, well, Brooks is winning again. Mm. It's, it's only going to be Brooksy. You know, he, he's... Yeah. He's won a, a hatful of races around Alton Park. Um, the, the undulating roller coaster of a circuit nestled in leafy Cheshire, which seems to be the start of every uh, every uh, press release <laughs> uh, from the circuit. Um, so yeah, he to, to have him not at the front, and we've still got thirty races left. It just gives him that little bit of a chance to to catch up. It gives the others a head start, and everybody's going to have a bad weekend. It's the nature of British superbikes. Yeah. But if a bad weekend is finishing mid-top 10, then some of the boys will take it. It's still three races. It's still three finishes. 
and away we go. I always think our instinctive reaction is a good way to judge things in a way because when your gut tells you, what's going on with Josh Brooks? It shows you how great the man is in normal circumstances, doesn't it? Just like Jonathan Ray, just like if Marquez has had struggles in the past. We know he'll be back, don't we? But Absolutely. I think from a, I have to say, from a neutral point of view, I think it's great because we're going to see a real championship fight now. He's going to have all the reasons to be as aggressive as ever when they get to Knock Hill. Others will struggle, I guess, at Knock Hill. I have to say, let's talk about quickly about BMW because Xavi Forrest, first of all, had a big high side here in practice on Friday in the wets. I did speak with him on Saturday and he said he's flying back to Spain. So by the time you all listen to this, he will be back in Spain and they're going to make a decision as to whether they need to operate or not. But best wishes to Xavi Forrest. But his teammate, Peter Hickman, Everyone said this, haven't they, about the winglets on the new M1000RR. He was catching up for the lead in uh, race two earlier on on Sunday. I mean, at one point, I thought FHO were going to win this on their first weekend under the FHO banner. And, and, and what a prize that would have been. Incredible. What a prize that would have been for the FHO BMW team. Seriously. Um, uh, Peter Hickman's really impressed me this weekend. Um, it's a circuit he enjoys. He went well here in his GB Moto days uh, alongside Leon Haslam. Uh, he, he's not shy hmm. on two wheels is Hickey and losing he's, he's trimmed down a lot as well he's, he's a, yes, lot, he has. a lot sleeker hasn't he lost a full stone or something yeah, like at that at least yeah. and I, he's uh, as sleek as I think I've ever seen Hickey and as hungry as I've ever seen Hickey so for him to return the results he has this weekend on the new M1000 double R BMW um, is a real shot in the arm for him as well. There are some circuits coming up that he, he might not be quite as quick on, um, but he's thrown his hat into the ring straight away and he certainly hasn't looked out of place at all. You know who else I think has had a really impressive weekend and I'm not surprised, but in a way I am because, you know, to jump up from a super sport bike to a super bike and do what he's done, Rory Skinner, I mean, some really superb, we don't have the results in front of us, as you can tell, we're recording off the cuff just after everything's gone off air on Eurosport um, and Dave's finished his work as well. But he's been up there in the top 10 all weekend long, hasn't he? And pushing, you know, seasoned professionals in the British Superbike Championship with that new very, very, very green FS3 Kawasaki. And uh, That's uh, green in capital the, the letters. The jury's out on that one. Do you like it? It's distinctive. It's, I, from I, a TV point of view, I think it's yeah. great, personally. It's not factory Kawasaki green. No, it's very... Even though they are the factory team, but it, but it is a very fluoro green. You certainly yeah, can't miss it's it. It's Ghostbusters slime green. <laughs> <laughs> and it? Lee Jackson, um, Rory's teammate, has a real bright orange helmet as well. Yeah, so, yeah. so the boys at, uh, at FS3 race, they are very distinctive. I can't remember who it was, actually, but when that livery came out a few weeks ago, somebody said to me, it looks a bit like a duck because it's got like an orange beak around the air intake on the front, doesn't it? Um, absolutely I, no comment on that yeah. <laughs> I like ducks anyway. yeah me too I, it's, you know, uh, I all, to say, all ducks matter <laughs> I didn't think we'd be talking about ducks on this but that's the joy of podcasting isn't it it is um, but let's be serious for a moment that um, air intake on that Kawasaki yes. now that's the same one of course that's at World Superbikes as well Indeed. and we know how good that is through fast sweeping corners and we know how we do have some quick fast sweepers here at Alton such as the double right hander at Druids which is uh I guess just a few hundred meters behind us from where we're sat in the paddock here. But no, I thought you did really well, don't you? And maybe not so much the riding, but the coping with the pressure side, because he was dealt a really bad hand, wasn't he, with what happened in the British Talent Cup. Um, and he's had to go through mentally a, a tough time over the last few years. But I know for a fact that that team are delighted with what he's done. And I think Lee Jackson's a really decent peddler as well. 
He is, and so Lee's shouldering the uh, the burden, if you like, of the development work for the Kawasaki with the team, yeah. as Rory gets his novice uh, season. Novice, that's not the that's the wrong word. His rookie season yeah. underway, yeah. and I've been really impressed with him this weekend. The same as you have. It, it's not an easy place to come for a rookie, and especially not on a hurt. I don't even know what they are these days. 220, 230 brake horsepower superbike. Trying to tame that around the ups and the downs. The, as you say, the fast turns like Island and Druids um, to the tight turn in Shell and the chicanes as well. It's, it keeps your attention all the way around the lap. And I was watching the, the third race this afternoon out at uh, Druids. So as they come through the double right-hander, oh, they go over the first watch. roller. Yeah. And he he was fighting it through there. I mean, on a super sport bike, it's not so bad. You can lean the weight forward, keep it pinned, and away you go. But with that little bit of extra weight and an awful lot more power, I think he's um, he's shown himself really well this weekend. Have you seen this picture, by the way? I don't know whether it's been posted on social media yet. I'm just showing Dave a picture on my phone That's here. That's Tommy Bridewell's rear sprocket. Yeah, it is. And I don't know whether this has been posted. James Hayden... Uh, sent this to a, a WhatsApp group we have it at has, Eurosport. It has, it been, has posted. It been posted. Yeah, Wilf so, Moore's posted that. He said, thank you for right, that from it? wheel bobbing. Right, so maybe in that case, it was Wilf Moore who took the um, the picture then. It probably was. But it says, um, go online, everyone, and have a look because it's pretty spectacular. If you tried to do this a million times, you never would do it. This is the front wheel spindle protector from Taron McKenzie's bike that wedged in Tommy's sprocket and ripped off his chain. Now, we saw that in the first of the Sunday races here, race two or three of the weekend. Isn't it funny how things like that happen sometimes and how your race can end in the strangest of ways? Absolutely. But how close do you want your racing? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Actually, it was, um, they were quite processional races, weren't they, I thought, this weekend. And that's not a criticism. I think that shows how high the level is and just how difficult it can be to pass. But we've become so accustomed to processional races in world superbikes in the last few years, which I'm pleased to say is not the case now. And quite the opposite in BSB. This was a more processional affair for BSB, wasn't it? I think it, it was a little bit when, when you look at the, the front two boys for the three races. But I think what it also showed was a, a really calculated set of three races yes. from Jason. Yes, He didn't Definitely. want to show his hand too early. No, really Unfortunately, really Tommy good. Bridewell couldn't get involved amongst it and start you know start fiddling with the front two and getting in the way and slowing the pace down um and neither could taz later on so it, it was difficult and they dropped um peter hickman as well in the later stages so it, the, 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 it was up to the rest of the guys to keep up but the pace that those two showed so late in the race and for for jason to put in the fastest lap in one race on the penultimate lap showed that uh, that Jason O'Halloran and Christian Iden this weekend, they were the cream of the crop. And it is a difficult place to overtake. Um, but the respect that those two have between them, um, I think w was uh, was there in abundance this weekend. But further, further down the field, there were some really good battles. But yes, it is difficult to overtake at Alton Park on a superbike at times. For sure. But in a way, that's what adds. That's what I like, though. I don't think... That wasn't a criticism, by the way, that no, I said they're professional all. racers. I don't think it should be easy to overtake in top class motorcycle racing or motor racing in general, do you? Formula One's the same. I think sometimes with DRS now and F1, in my opinion, having watched it and been a fan all my life, it's maybe F1. a little bit... What's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You Ron Haslam. You know Ron Haslam, don't you? The F1... Uh... He was TTF1 world yeah, champion. Absolutely. But no, obviously I'm talking about Formula <laughs> One car racing and real no. But yeah, sometimes I think with DRS, it's it's too easy to overtake. It should. It never has been easy to overtake in Formula One or... A 500cc Grand Prix, 
there's a lot of it, but it's not easy. And I think sometimes when you have a processional race, it actually shows how great a job they're doing in the races that are action-packed. If it was easy to overtake, mm. we'd all be doing it. It wouldn't mean anything, would it? No. It and wouldn't it mean did, anything. And how do you build racecraft as a racer yeah. if your overtakes are really easy? You learn by making mistakes. You learn by going in too deep, by tucking the front, as we've seen numerous times at Lodge Corner over the years and over the weekend. Yeah. You know, that late lunge, it just sometimes doesn't work. And mm. the only time you can learn is by picking gravel out, uh, out of your boots. Yeah. And thinking, right, well, I'm not going to do that again. And I think it was it race two where Jason, he was itterish, I think was a fair word, going into um, into Lodge to put the pass on mm. um, on Christian. But it was clean. And, and the third race, he passed him a little bit further back in the lap at Island Bend, mm. which, at whatever it is through there, 140, 150 mile an hour, something that like that. That was amazing you, to watch. There's, you, yeah, Not many passes it. happen there. No. So, you know, kudos to, to both of them for, for safe, but bravery. Safe bravery. But is that it, such a thing? Safe bravery. Do we have safe bravery? Yeah, I think you probably can. Yeah, because you, know you, you could be brave and stupid. So safe, brave. I like that. I d- we haven't actually. seen much of that this weekend. Either. We haven't actually. No, we haven't in, in any of the categories. No. And I have to say, I don't know what you saw of the junior superstock class as it's now known. Of course, stock thousand as it was is now the national superstock championship. Stock six hundred now known as the junior superstock championship. I quite Indeed. like those names. I have to be honest because you've got now British Supersports and Junior Supersport, British national superstock and junior superstock it makes sense because in the world championship we have supersport 300 which is now a ridiculous name because none of the bikes are 300 so to call it <laughs> junior supersport makes much more sense doesn't it really Let's absolutely it does um but anyway the reason i'm talking about that is because in national superstock today and yesterday uh so saturday and sunday jack nixon absolutely consummate racecraft the way he okay you might say he got a bit lucky in the saturday race when the other two pushed each other wide but he was there That's he read racing. it exactly he read it perfectly and dived through on both of them so he put himself in the right place to take advantage because he knew it was coming and then today's race he just picked them off one by one by one and i was talking about it with tristan finocchiaro in the commentary today dave and we we're about four or five laps from home and i said i've just got this feeling about nick so i'm showing off now because i don't always get it right um, Waiting to hear my reply. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But no, I, I just had a funny <laughs> feeling. I guess it's because he'd won on the Saturday as well. But you could just see we're sitting and surveying the situation. So we knew where everyone was stronger and weaker. And he picked them all off one by one. What's your reply? My reply is Gregory, I... you idiot. No, Gregory, I knew that was going to happen as well. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you, you smart know, ass. <laughs> no, he was on the technical side with Triumph. Mm. Scott Smart, yeah. Hey. I was having a chat. Sorry, I, I was a bit. I, I had a mind back now. I was having a chat with Scott Smart. He was here today, actually. Yes, he was. That's why I said. Um, it. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. I was. One nil. Yeah. Oh, you see, this is all good fun. We're isn't only uh, twenty-five minutes into this podcast. Though. I know it's great, isn't it? I love it. I'm actually really enjoying this. I have no, me to too. Actually, no. it's actually, really good fun to actually. Us, let's just go slightly off track here. Yeah, let's do so. Um, it's I see what you did there. Thank you. It's nice. <laughs> now, can I just remind everyone? That on, on, I want to be honest about this. Dave does a great podcast. It is called Off Track. I'm not just saying that because he's with us. Um, what I like about you, Dave, and there'll be people thinking now, he's just praising his friend. But <laughs> no, but <Friends>. Dave, Dave, <laughs> Dave does a podcast called Off Track. Have a look on your favourite podcast suppliers after you've listened to Full Throttle, then listen to Off Track. But no, I like that you you do have really relaxed chats with people and when they're out of the 
the circuit and i know one of the things you do which i have to admit i should start doing this because it works better if the internet connection is good you normally do video calls with people don't you even yes. though it's just an audio based podcast it's yes. not a vodcast but it's so much better because you can tell when you can see people and the mannerisms it comes across much better doesn't it Many, many moons ago when I was working on uh, Motopod mm. and, you know, I, I, I don't even, did I have you on Motopod? I don't think I did. I don't think we knew each other then. No, but I don't think St so. Steve Days was on there a couple of times. Neil Hodgson was on there. Freddie Spencer. Um, let's just really drop some real big clangs for the names. I should, listen, I should listen names. back to me as I'd like to get to know these Paul people. Paul Lorenzo, Andrea wow. Davizioso, Danny Kent. Can I, and with the greatest of respect, as a, well, not a small podcast in the racing world but it's a relatively small podcast in relation to some of the podcasts we have out there now how did you get people like jorge lorenzo on your podcast because i'm sure there'll be a lot of budding uh, bloggers and journalists and so on listening sure. to this you know how how did you do it that that wasn't down to me that was down to um a, a, a gentleman called jim race and uh, one of my co-hosts on motopod martin darlington and they had agreed with the Yamaha press officer that we could go down and, and have five minutes with Jorge Lorenzo. I wasn't working on the show at the time. And this is one of my favorite stories. The, the bottom line for what I do hmm. is I am a massive fan of the sport. And I have been since I was five years old um, at Cadwell Park with Barry Sheen, Mick Grant, Will Hartog, guys like that. I've grown up with motorcycle racing and I absolutely adore it. With the advent of social media and Twitter, we get to know a few people. That's how we got to know each other. But it's by being polite to people on Twitter and engaging with them. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a very different platform these days. But we're going back to 2012, 2013. Mm. Going back to... Um, in the uh, MotoGP paddock 2013, um, I got the invite to go down because Martin couldn't make it. Uh, Martin was a massive Jorge Lorenzo fan. Um, and I got the call after being recommended by a friend of ours in Leeds to join the podcast, who was a regular listener. I said, well, Dave could do it. He's, he's good at things like that. But this time I was still working shifts in a, in a food packaging company um, with a young daughter and a mortgage and... Uh, the usual life restrictions so i had the biggest opportunity i think i've ever had and the first interview i ever did was in yamaha hospitality and five minutes with jorge lorenzo so talk about going in at, at, at the deep end I, I don't think i could have got any deeper you must have been so nervous i i can't tell you greg i, I as i was holding my my new dictaphone making was sure it was shaking? still working it was literally shaking yeah. but um thankfully alberto gomez who was the um yamaha pr man at the time for uh for Jorge lorenzo had spoken to him beforehand and said look it's his first time he's nervous kind of be good and he was an absolute gentleman. And we spoke more after the interview than during it. And I showed him uh, videos of Cadwell Park at Brooksy over the mountain and that kind of thing. Had he not seen that before? No. He had no idea where it was and what so the what bikes were. So what was Jorge were. Lorenzo's reaction to seeing Josh Brooks on the mountain at Cadwell Park? I think he swore in Spanish because I, I didn't know what he said. Can you remember the word? No. I think I could probably imagine him. Yeah, imagine he probably did but swear. But he, he just nodded and smiled. So he, I introduced uh, Jorge Lorenzo to the uh, the mountain at Cadwell. But yeah, that going, I'm rambling on a little bit. But that's how I got involved with um, with Motopod was through Twitter and getting to know guys like Ian Wheeler and Charlie Hiscart. Everybody, everybody loves Charlie Hiscart. He, he's, he's gone from... Uh, <laughs> Charlie, 
I love you, really. He, he's a great guy. And they've all had a little bit of words of wisdom over the years. Tony Carter, when he was at Eurosport, before he was um, replaced by Matt Roberts, who's done a fantastic job ever since. Um, and it's just a really strange journey for a guy who's just a super... I, I am a BSB super fan. I do want to ask you what it's been like to have the transition of being in the paddock as a, a mega, mega, mega fan mm. who knows loads of people that so actually being here on a professional basis. But before we do that, I'll give you a few seconds to think about what you're going to say. <laughs> um, let's go to that magic moment that we talked about before because James Hayden, as we know, is a great friend of ours at Eurosport. He's a multiple British Championship race winner. But in 2003, he joined the all-new Foggy Patronus team and they did have some decent results with people like Troy Corsa in particular. But that first year was far from easy. And James has always described that bike as the bike that wanted to kill him. So here we go with this week's Magic Moments. I'm looking forward to hearing how James Hayden describes this one. Hey, Greg, uh, you wanted a story about the Patronus bike. Unfortunately, I don't really have um, any good ones. I mean, the thing was the worst, worst machine I, I ever had the uh, unfortunate uh, <laughs> luck to, to ride. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, I got a seventh in, um, in Japan, uh, was my best result, but actually it was, um, it was just a big of a thing. Obviously it used to catch on fire, um, so I was regularly jumping off it. It used to fill its airbox with, um, with oil and but keep running perfectly somehow until it just started over flapping and, and going on the tire. And if you were lucky, your foot slipped off first and, and you knew, um, but if not, then suddenly you just find yourself flying through the air um, in one big crash. Um, you know, I'd give the third gear um, break up and lock me up in Germany and have a horrific crash. I mean, the thing was was just awful. In the end, even looking at that colour, I mean, that turquoise now still just reminds me of pain and humiliation. So uh, it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a good time. But hey, it's all part of life's tapestry, isn't it? Um, and actually, the main thing is that I came out in one piece, which uh, it would have been very easy not to do. James Hayden is just great value, isn't it? He is. Did you hear him on the Eurosport show after Mizano World Superbikes? when he described Victor Stamen, the Supersport 300 ride on the KTM, as the uh, the mad, what's it called? The mad drummer from the Muppets, is it? Animal. <laughs> Animal. Animal was the mad drummer from the Muppets. That's it, yeah. And, uh, James is great. But it, yeah, that wasn't the easiest of times for James. No, not at all. As, you not know, at he, he's all. laughing about it now. But I bet you remember those days quite clearly, don't you, with Foggy Patronus? I they do. Put, there was a massive budget, wasn't there? I remember they did a massive documentary about the whole thing. The making of, and the, you know, they made a... Was it, I think it was a clay model they made of the bike before, right. and remember, yes. which was quite ahead of its time actually back then. I remember Julian Ryder and Kelledge and Gordon Ritchie and uh, Keith Hewan and numerous you know media personalities and stars being involved in a big launch they did. Obviously, Carl Fogarty himself was very much involved, but unfortunately for them, it was a good example of just how difficult it can be to uh, do well in motorcycle racing and motorsport. I think wasn't it. It's a very difficult sport to get into, isn't it? It's, it, it's, it's an even more difficult sport to do very well in because the um, the bottomless pit of money becomes even greater. Yeah. Um, the, the higher in the sport you go and the um, the more you want to close that gap. Mm. As, as member Julian Ryder saying, it's not particularly expensive to get within a second of the front guys, but to get to within a tenth of a second of the front guys is really expensive. That's where the proper money starts. So yeah, for for the backing that they had through Patronas and Foggy as the the, the figurehead for it, it had all the hallmarks of um, 
a successful outfit. As you say, Troy Corsa was part of the team, Chris Walker, yeah. um, Craig Jones was one of the riders as well. Um, it just unfortunately didn't happen the the way that a lot of the fans wanted to, especially after Foggy um, finishing the sport early due to his uh, his shoulder injury at Phillip Island. Um, it kind of left, it, as it can with a lot of riders, it kind of left him a little bit directionless, especially when it's not your choice mm. to, uh, yeah. to stop racing. So it was a project he could get his teeth into but yeah ultimately it, it didn't quite go the way that uh, the British racing fans would have hoped it's funny actually I found a clip on YouTube not that long ago um, a few years after that James went to ride one of those Patronus bikes again <laughs> and it broke down and he said oh well it's just quite realistic because that's what it always did at the time anyway it was it was a difficult project wasn't it it was a difficult <laughs> project go. I just saw in the distance Steve Rogers driving out of the circuit Dave um, indeed Steve really is a nice guy, isn't he? He's Absolutely. the team principal of the McCams team for anyone who's not aware. And um, to have a treble, what a great start. It's a really nice team there. The Race Days team, which runs McCams Yamaha. Um, I have to, I'm really made up for them. And for Jason O'Halloran, because it was here at Alton Park, if you remember, back in 2019, when he had that really nasty and awkward injury, which pretty much wrecked the season, didn't it, that year? It did. And probably one of the slowest crashes of his career. Yeah. Uh, as he came, wasn't yes, it? Yes. Just a little slip on the mud in, uh, in the pre-season, t- pre-season test, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. And Now, obviously, at the time, they kept it relatively quiet. They did. how bad it was, as they you did. would. You're not going to expose yeah, any weakness. race teams do, and that, yeah, that, such is their want, because... It, it's the nature of the sport. That's what race teams do, and, and rightly so. But that's some good payback, I think, though, for Jason, you know, to, to have done what he's done this weekend at Alton Park. No question. He showed it last year. I think he's still riding the, the, the crest of, of confidence from last year, finishing the runner-up in the championship to Josh Brooks. That really showed what Jason was about. He'd had two or three seasons where he'd, in, in air quotes, won testing. But unfortunately, yes. it didn't transfer because of the shoulder injury. Made things difficult for him and the McCams Yamaha team he'd been incredibly loyal to to honda prior to that and he, he is what genuinely one of the good guys in the paddock no question yeah and although a difficult donington park last season curtailed his championship charge as brooksy was imperious as uh, as the season came to a close but this season starting with a treble and for steve rogers and the team um, and all involved at raceways and mccam's yamaha you you can't ask for any more and as we said earlier in the show taz mckenzie stepping up to the plate at a circuit that he, he's not the fondest of um I think it's going to be a really cheerful drive home for Steve and the uh, the team tonight. Yeah, and uh, if uh, you end up listening to this, Steve, I don't know whether you do, congratulations personally as well, because I just think that's a, a very, very well-deserved weekend indeed, a very well-deserved result there. Okay, well, just before we heard from James Hayden a second ago, we were just about to talk about Dave Neal, and we're sat here laughing, but no, honestly, Dave, it's really great that I've seen a, a friend become a professional and you are now a professional it does seem it does seem strange greg it really does it, it's um, just to sum up to us what what's your actual title now what is it you actually do i am motorsport editor for rich energy um rich energy are looking to develop their online presence um they obviously cover quite a lot of motorsport these days um the sponsors of uh touring car squad power max racing uh jason plato and uh daniel lloyd as well as um, Creasy. Yes. Creasy. Michael Creasy. Michael Creasy, um, former um, 
British touring car driver who's now gone into the Porsche Super Cup. Um, I was thinking of the Sears Trophy, former Sears Trophy winner in BTCC. Now, the Porsche Super Cup there, just to interject and apologies no, for that. Go on. And that's actually talking about the actual Porsche Super Cup that runs alongside F1, isn't indeed, it? Indeed, yeah. So he not, was racing at Monaco recently. He was indeed, and I think he's been out at the Nürburgring today. Right. Our okay. PR okay. man, Sam Walker, has been looking after that side of things today while I've been uh, scouring the paddock for podcasts and ended up on and here with you. Sam Walker's a good bloke as well, he isn't is. he? Yeah. And to be fair, most people in motorcycle racing are, and I think we've seen over the last year in particular with the terrible time we've all had with the pandemic, how everyone's really stuck together. And I do think you get that more in bike racing. I certainly have seen that than in car racing. <laughs> But there's some particularly good blokes, and Sam's just one of them, isn't he? Just a nice, normal, hard-working person, and then good company. And the, ex- the experience that he brings from Yamaha Europe, and that he brings from SMR with his time in World Superbikes, and um, prior to that here in the British Superbike paddock, um, it, it's good to have good people around. It makes it makes the weekend even better. Um, yeah. have, having spent a lot of weekends um, on the fringe, um, knocking on doors and not feeling um, quite that I belong because I still have a day job. And a lot of the guys in the paddock have a day job, but they're, they're part of a team. And to, to now have that where I can be a part of a team, I have a, a role to do, I have a job to do. And we've done a little bit of... Um, work today for a YouTube video with the riders so that's now a little bit of online TV presenting as well that I've got to learn to do have you been on screen and yes I have oh, yeah great, the, great, the video great. will come out uh, today hopefully this evening maybe if not tomorrow um, we've had a, a, a couple of guys f- over from uh, Northern Ireland who've been helping us out uh, called Off Brand so we've been using Robbie and Cameron over the weekend to get us some footage in the garage to build the rich um, the rich brand as well and you know we want to do some motors more in motorsport we want to get the word out there and the opportunity came along for me to uh, to kind of run that side of things and it's the strangest thing to be as, as I'm sure you get this as well being paid to follow your passion yeah is just the most satisfying thing that you can have and I'm 100% I feel incredibly fortunate um, and very grateful to Alan Gardner and Alan Lowe and, and everybody at uh, Rich Energy and the OMG racing team as well to, to give me the chance to do it um, because I, I never thought I would get the chance. I never thought I was able to, to, to do this at this level because I didn't have uh, the self-belief to do it. It's not going to be. It's not going to turn into an introspective. But as a big fan who didn't really believe in himself too much, but with the encouragement of, of Jennifer, my girlfriend, and really good friends like you, Gregory, who really do, you know, pull me along. It's it's been it, it's the start of a of a long journey. I hope. Oh, yeah, thank you for that. By the way, I'm You're keen welcome. to know. Um, for anyone who's listening to this now, who's a mega mega fan. Yeah. Um, like yourself well like me we're all mega fans, we're all like mega fans. Before, that's why but, we do what we do but you know a mega fan who's not actually working in the paddock on a professional basis at the moment who wants to mm. having just started that yourself yeah. what advice would you give them in the sense that you're still a fanboy at heart but obviously okay. when you start working in the paddock you have to have a certain level of professionalism obviously don't you a little less giddy as I like to think we have I hope touch no, wood I think we do, touch wood, we do but it's not always easy, is it? And I'll also just say this. I've seen people working in various organizations before, whether it's teams or the organization running the championship or whatever. You know, I've worked at Dorna before, yes. which, by the way, Dorna has some fantastic people in it. And like all organizations, 
it has its haters, but it also has a lot of people who respect it. But the reason I'm saying this is I've seen people at Dorna, for example, in the past who start working there in MotoGP and then they end up sadly falling out of love with the sport. Depending on the job you're doing, some people are very much, you know, at the track like we now are. Some people are more backroom staff who might just be based in their case in Barcelona or um, let's just say if you're working for the FIA, for example, or the FIM, you might be in Switzerland or in France or wherever. But then they don't, you know, sometimes you have to understand why certain things happen in the sport. And sometimes there are commercial aspects. I think it's fair to say that overall the sporting side and you start then thinking, ah, now I understand, you know, for example, on your off-track podcast recently, there was an interview with Danny Kent. Indeed. He didn't get an entry at one point. In, was it MotoGP? Or no, that was his own choice, wasn't it? It was his own choice not to go to It was one of the classes, and you might be able to remind me now, that he didn't get an entry because Dorna at the time wanted a, a different nationality rider. And, and you've got to understand as well that you know they're trying to sell television rights and, and they also make money off circuit hosting fees. So they want a nice spread of nationalities. You know, there was a block on British riders going into World Supers a few years ago, yep. which A, is a reflection on how high the level is in the British Superbike Championship, but B, was also, um, you can understand it in a way. You can't have a whole World Championship full of riders from one country. And this is why Dorna sometimes gets stick about the number of Spaniards involved or Brits when it's World Superbikes. But no, sometimes you, you, yeah. you can see how people could fall out of love maybe with it occasionally. Do you see what I mean? Because you they're have thinking, to oh, that's understand the workings of it. And yeah. you have to appreciate that there are certain things that it doesn't matter. I have opinions on certain things, but I, I, one thing I don't do is air them on social media. No, um, I'd also or, just or add... on my podcast. No, go on. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was okay. just going to say... Without the sponsors, though, and the money, sure. we have no championship anyway, do we? And that's the bigger picture you need to see. Exactly. And w- yes, it, it's, it's a difficult time in, in MotoGP um, for British riders to, to make their way forward. Max Cook, we see as we, we will get back onto um, Junior Superstock <laughs> at, at some point. <laughs> that was ages ago. <laughs> We're now into early Tuesday that a, morning. That was, a, <laughs> that was another podcast, wasn't it? I think it probably was. Are, are, you, are you still awake? You're going to split this down into two at some point. Um, no, it, it, it is a difficult thing. And it's... There, there have been some learning curves, even in BSB going back um, a few years where things went a little bit awry and um, people in in high places in BSB got upset with um, Paddock Chatter, who I was working, who I was not, I say working for, we, we were all working for, for free. It was, again, through the love of it um, that that hurt me and the guys that, that were doing paddock chatter with us and I think there's still a little bit of stigma of that that uh, that I carry with me um, at times but through hard work through you know doing the right things understanding the right people um, it, it can be done it can yeah. be done I'm, I'm 48 years old you know I started a lot later in life than a lot of He's other people 62 years old <laughs> But mentioning Paddock Chatter, working with Alana Fellows, with Ollie Rushby, with Matt Dunn, yeah. um, Neil Morrison was on the show a little bit as well. So those guys all went on to bigger, better and greater things. Alana worked in World Superbikes, Ollie's in the paddock now with uh, Makam Yamaha as um, working for Yamaha and Potsky Media. And Matt Dunn, as we know, he's out at MotoGP, who's 
kind of been um, a leading light in um, building MotoGP social media with their Instagram stories. With He was the first man to introduce em- emojis to the MotoGP Twitter feed. You know, little things like that, but being introducing it to a younger generation because he is the younger generation. I was um, late 30s into my early 40s when I did it. So I had... Um, I had a daughter, a stepson, a wife, a mortgage, a shift working job. So it made things difficult. But now my daughter's older. I'm in a different situation in life. I can now take the opportunities that those guys had. Yeah. And although I'm just coming into it a bit later, maybe a little bit of maturity has helped. Maybe I wasn't quite as mature as I should have been within the paddock in the early days um, and offending the wrong people. Um, But. But now you're offending the right people. And now I'm offending the right people just by turning <laughs> up. No, it, it is straight. It can be done. It, it, but it, again, the world has changed a little bit since then. The, the Twitter that I had when I had my opportunities of, of interviewing Scott Redding and getting pieces uh, printed in Motorcycle Racer magazine, courtesy of Ian Wheeler and, and a lot of the, um, the advice that Ian gave in the early days, I wasn't able to carry forward. And that's something I kind of regret because I just wasn't able to act on it. But then you fast forward a few years and, it, and it's like, here I am sat in the middle of the paddock at Alton Park. You know, it, it, it's not, I don't think I've made it just because I work for a team or you know, I work for a sponsor. Some people it, have done that before and it, yeah, it doesn't end it, well. It's, it's, it's not a pleasant trait to have. At the end of the day, you have to be professional and we're here for a reason. You know, if, you know in my case, for example, um, we have a responsibility to tell the story as best as possible, whether it's in motorcycle news or whether it's in this podcast, which is obviously a slightly different thing, or whether it's chiefly, in my case, in the television commentary. You know, it's our duty to tell the story in the most informing and entertaining way possible in equal measure. Indeed. We're not here for a laugh. No. Um, there are laughs along the way, but... Oh, no, we can have a good time doing it, but there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a job to be done. And I, and I don't think that, uh, you know, the people in the paddock aren't going to be around forever. Mm. And it, it, for anybody who wants to, to come in, it, it, there are always teams that want social media, um, the social media, so because it is really important. As much as the, the platforms aren't quite what they used to be, certainly Instagram's very, very good mm. for, for race teams and that... that um, Oh, I can't think of the word I'm off. Engagement. Yeah. So on the engagement side of things, it's all very, very important. And there are teams out there who will give opportunities to the younger generation to help with to build their profile. Because mm. we, we have like TokTik and Snapchat and things like that. So that was deliberate, by the way. Um, that I have no clue about at all i am still a facebook instagram and twitter man but purely for the work purposes and to keep in touch with with my multitude of fans so <laughs> no I, I just let him carry on yeah. no we, we are fortunate greg and it, it's just really nice to to have a a purpose in the paddock now and not to have to you know people inviting us in with passes and things like that i think up to maybe Three years ago, we were still paying to get in, so it, which I would happily do again if 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 this all fell apart after the first season, I'll still be coming back and I'll just be a paying punter. But I'll still know plenty of people. Just before we sign off, Dave, I remember the great late. I'm so sad to have to call him that now. Murray Walker, indeed, always made such an effort to go to race meetings, even when he wasn't working, when he was already a massive celebrity, to meet young drivers, young riders. 
And that's something you've always done so well here in the BSB paddock over recent years, because you get to know them when they're younger and you already know them by the time they start climbing up the racing ladder, which is obviously great for interviews and opportunities like that. I think it's nice for the riders as well to know some familiar faces. So I'm just keen to know someone who's always surveyed every single class here at BSB and they've changed as well. The categories, haven't they, over the years? They come and they go, they change names. Who do you reckon are the stars we really need to be watching out for at the moment, just off the top of your head? And I'm sure there'll be somebody we forget. Yeah, you know, I'm going to throw Casey O'Gorman in there but after what he did in the British Talent Cup. Sure. Uh, but who who would you think we need to look out for at the moment as stars of the future to go on to, let's say, MotoGP or World Superbike or, and British Superbike? I think at the minute for the British Talent Cup, it's it's a difficult shout. Um, They've only had one round. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> for, that, for that respect. I need yeah. to see that to, uh, to open up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I have enjoyed over the years talking to the younger riders. Back in 2014, talking to Glenn Irwin, just as he'd come out of junior superstar, Keith Farmer the same. So young guys like Jordan Weaving, as we've mentioned previously as well. So yeah, I do like to to keep an eye on the younger riders because they are the future of the sport. Without them, we haven't got a sport. Mm -hmm. And if they can go on to to bigger and better things, onto the world scene, like the Lowe's boys have done and Jake Dixon, guys like who was only a few years ago, was doing junior superstock against Lee Jackson and guys like that. Yeah. So, you know, he's come from the same stock, if you like, to, to coin oh, to coin oh, very a phrase. Good, very good, very good. I'm not quite Matt Burt level of puns, but, you know, we, we, we <laughs> and this is still new to me, you know this. Uh, and it's unusual to be on the other side Matt of, of the microphone his alliterations, as well. Yes, he does indeed. He is the alliteration, alliteration abound. Oh, very good. Yeah, we like that. But no, it, the, the, um, the younger classes are so important, both in junior superstock, uh, supersport with the GP2s and um, national superstock. Yeah. Uh, the way the guys are coming through that, the Neve twins, a lot of younger riders taking that route through Lewis Rollo uh, to name one more. We can't name everybody because we'd be here all night, but um, certainly in junior superstock, the front running guys that we spoke about, um, Joe Talbot, uh, Zach Corduroy, who's going to be well up for the fight this year after narrowly missing out last year. Uh, He's George, brave. I can tell you uh, that. He is. I must admit, having commentated on those races this weekend, one with James Hayden, one with. Chris Finocchiaro, Zach Corduroy, ho, 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 big ambition, I described it as. <laughs> there were some scary moves being pulled and he had a big crash when he was leading by over two seconds on Saturday. So he's obviously maybe just got to calm it down a bit. But as we've said so many times over the years and so many people say, it's easier to tame a quick rider Absolutely. You than can't to make, make a slow rider fast, isn't it? Yeah. You, yeah. you can, you, say, you can say it better exactly than that. me. Yeah. It's exactly it, that. Yeah. yeah. You, you can, you can uh, yeah, you said it. Yeah. It's been a long day, hasn't it? It's been a long weekend. It's well, good. Dave, thanks a lot. We will sign off there. We'll be back with the podcast next Monday. I would imagine it will be James Whittam and I, but certainly myself and uh, some other celebrity. When I say other celebrity, I don't mean I'm one. I mean James Whittam's one from Donington Park. <laughs> I'm cheap and available. I'll see you there. <laughs> and well, super mics. But uh, we'll see you on Friday morning, bright and early, for free practice one on Eurosport and the Eurosport app. We'll see you there.